Welcome to today's exploratory journey episode and in today's episode I'm joined by Jonathan, the founder of Horizon VC and today we'll be discussing everything from what it's like to set up a VC fund to supporting idea stage founders and the British startup ecosystem. Hi, and welcome to another Exploratory Journey episode. And today I'm joined by Jonathan. Hi, and thanks so much for joining me. Would you be able to tell us a bit more about yourself? Hey all, so uh, my name is Jonathan and uh, I am the founder of Horizon VC, where we invest in idea stage founders uh, using convertible feature earnings agreements. That's super cool. Can you tell us a bit more about Horizon kind of where you invest, um, kind of what stages, industries, all of that. Yeah, so we invest in the idea stage, which uh, we broadly define as a stage before pre-seed. So we uh, mostly try to operate in the idea to friends and family stage, but we can also scale up to be uh, a small pre-seed check as well. And the way we do that is through a convertible future earnings agreement. So basically what that is, is a safe, is a safe note combined with a future earnings agreement. So. A feature earnings agreement is kind of like it was uh, derived from, you know, universities as a way for, you know, students to be able to pay off, you know, kind of like the tuition using like what yeah. um, they project, you know, their future income would be. And, you know, when they got their dream job, then, you know, when it crossed a certain income threshold, you know, he or she would pay, you know, a certain amount per uh, a certain percentage of their income per month until they paid off, you know, uh, however uh, percentage of the um of, of the of the loans that they kind of took right so for us the way we've designed define those thresholds is if uh if a founder starts earning 2500 pounds or more a month uh then he or she um pays 10 percent of his or her monthly income uh the business monthly income until uh one of three things happen they either pay one and a half times in five years two times in 10 years or um if they or if he or she raises seven hundred thousand pounds or more in qualified financing, then the feature earnings agreement gets suspended, and uh, the safe note gets activated at however much money is left in the company, and that will be to the lead investor's um, valuation at a twenty percent discount. That's that's super interesting, but I want to go back a step. Why why did you decide to? choose a future earnings agreement rather than you know taking a traditional VC model um, and why are you such a big advocate um, for kind of alternative alternative funds and alternative funding structures? Uh, well pretty much I think because we believe that a safe that traditional equity only uh, safe investing I think only only enables I think one type of success to happen and that's sort of like you know the blitz scale kind of you know um the blitz scale sort of you know if you imagine you know your clubhouses you know you're really fast scaling you know SaaS companies right and so you know unicorns have their place in the world but I feel like not every business needs to start and become a unicorn and so I think with this convertible feature earnings agreement, it allows for multiple narratives of success. So a founder could start something blitz scale and we would win, but a founder could also start like a profitable coffee brand. And, you know, we would also, you know, to a degree, you know, get some success from that as well. So not only is it allowing, I think, for a different, for multiple narratives of what a successful founder could be, 
um, and thus, you know, allowing us to not pressure a founder to, to have to blitz scale. But also, it, with our unique arrangement, it allows us to go much earlier because of us protecting yeah. the general downside of, you know, of going earlier than pre-seed when a lot of, you know, VCs already think, you know, that's really, really early, right? And so because we have that, that, that feature earnings agreement to the founder, right? So if he or she quits, or, or quits the business, then, you know, and gets a full-time job, then, you know, they, that's how they pay off the feature earnings agreement if their business goes bust. Then, um, then our mindset is, okay, we can now start investing in just basic landing pages um, with email signups. And so that's kind of like our idea, right? That the UK market is starved of um, sort of like a legitimate idea stage fund, uh, whereas, you know, uh, the, the prevailing reputation around a lot of, you know, um, pre-seed investors uh, in the UK is that they're very, um, they're fairly conservative to a lot of degree. And yeah, so uh, we wanted to, and so we kind of wanted to come in and be that insanely, early stage kind of like model and uh and and hopefully in that way provide a really really compelling i think alternative to you know how founder can design his or her like funding journey you know when he or she starts a starts a startup it's definitely really really exciting particularly because in the uk generally the vc industry is still um a few steps behind what the us is like and you know coming in there to kind of you know even even some VCs who would invest at, say, Series A are skeptical of some pre-seed funds because of just the risk, and you're going even a stage earlier. So, you know, it must come with challenges, um, and starting your own fund must come with challenges. Um, what do you think has been kind of the biggest kind of challenge issue you've faced so far in kind of, you know, setting up a fund, building it out, um, and how did you kind of overcome it slash overcoming it still to this day? Uh, to be honest, I think there's a lot of challenges that we're still uh, we've overcome, and there's still a lot to be overcome. Uh, and I wouldn't say there's any particular one challenge, but rather a series of you know challenge of of different difficult challenges, right? So I think one of the ones were centered around our future earnings agreements. Like I think we were really really lucky that we had a partner uh, called StepX that you know stepped in and came in and and told us that we were we could partner with them and to use their future earnings yeah. agreements because they. They went through the whole FCA process to get themselves FCA approved. And so we basically used their product to, you know, essentially operate in the UK. Uh, so that was one big challenge, right? How can we use the feature earnings agreement and operate without um, going through as much of the FCA trouble? Um, without that, we would have had to wait two years for a license and, you know, forked over yeah. a massive amount of money. So we're real lucky on that. Um, and then in terms of, I think, our first little bit of money to MVP our fund. I think we got lucky because uh, some friends and family offered to chip in to, you know, allow us to build out a portfolio proof of concept. So we got really lucky on that end, but I do anticipate, I think, obviously the next round of fund two financing where we're trying to raise a low seven figures is probably going to be, you know, definitely going to be much more challenging, um, yeah. but uh, looking forward to embracing it. And then of course, uh, we're still gonna have to get involved in the FCA eventually. So we're currently applying can't for, uh, yeah, can't escape them. So uh, we're applying to be, I'm applying to be a fund manager uh, so that I could long-term, you know, have as much flexibility with this fund as I want to, you know, promote it however I want to promote it and structure however I want to structure it. Um, so that's kind of what I'm in the process of doing. And there's also tons of forms and tons of documents I got to fill out on that end. Um, 
And then I think probably the big one of the big challenges of being a beast is just to think prioritizing and balancing what needs to be done because there's a million things that you, that could be done on the table. You have to market yourself. So um so it's so a lot. So I do a lot of writing on Substack articles. Um those should come out soon. So uh, you know, keep an eye out for those, everybody that's listening. And um along with uh updating our LinkedIn and Twitter feeds, um, hunting for deal flow, building out partnerships with with deal flow partners and you know different perks supporting our portfolio um gauging soft commits with lp talking with lawyers to make sure that our documents are laid out right and things like that so probably can't think of every tiny thing off the top of my mind that i have to be done i probably have to actually stare at my trailer at my not my trailer my code of task board but um just knowing how to i think knowing how to um sort of balance everything is a is definitely a big challenge. Uh, so right now making uh, right now making two hires, um, or I'm, I'm guessing when this podcast comes out, uh, I may have made those two hires already. So <laughs> depends on whether or not I've made them or not. But um, to to help us out, so um, that's kind of that's kind of I'd say the biggest challenges so far. And balancing, you know, it, learning how to balance things only just comes with time. Figuring out what are your priorities. Um, but you, from, for people who haven't noticed yet, um, you don't have a British accent. You studied in the US. Um, what was it like to start your career in London? Like a completely different country, completely different city, completely different working culture. Um, that was fine, really, because I was born there. Uh, so, I mean, <laughs> in terms of like the general, the general environment was like, the general environment I'm kind of used to, like people and stuff, you know, I mean, um, it's all real comfortable to me, you know, actually. Um, so I call it reverse culture shock. It's, uh, it's, 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 it's real comfortable for me out there. Um, I think um, certain things, probably the big ones I'm trying to get used to are probably just, uh, I think, more rules, more papers, yeah. more structure yeah. on a lot of different things. That's probably more of my bigger immediate business challenges. Um, as well as I think uh, eventually trying to figure out how to operate in the EU, which uh, we all know it's, uh, it's going it's to be a massive, uh, it's going to be a bit tough, you know, uh, going down long term. But um, but the rest of everything, I mean, has worked out pretty well, I think, so far. Uh, I think one thing I really love about London is just, you know, how the city's designed in general, you know, for it to be, you know, real connected and, you know, um, you know, extreme, you know, extremely extremely great public transport links and you know yeah. um and, and and lots of venues to be able to meet up which i think from a networking standpoint i think really really helps out because i think like, like for example like back when uh back when i lived in seattle i basically played like uh i used to play like taxi driver for a few people and every, everybody that used to want to attend like events like in the downtown part of the city because like not everybody lives like near yeah. a bus stop and things like that so I basically used to play like taxi driver. So I'd have a car and I would just like drive people around. Um, and then I think a couple of other people of my friends of mine would either take the bus or also offer to play taxi driver. Um, here in London is kind of cool because like we can just uh, say, oh, all right, you. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. If, 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 if any events going on, like, you know, you got yourself a co-working space. All right. Uh, you just plaster on the front of your, uh, your event, right. You know, poster, Farringdon station show up, you know yeah and exactly. uh and right it makes the life makes life a lot easier for everybody i think from a logistical standpoint so um so i think in terms of the networking end i think that alone makes things much more easier in a lot of events 
Um, but then from a from a VC perspective, um, I mentioned a bit earlier, you know, the, there's big differences between the VC market in the US and the UK, both at the stage in which, you know, it is the amount of capital flowing through both both um, both countries. But have you found any kind of big differences between London and the US in terms of both like the startup culture, in terms of VC culture, and then more in terms of, well, I guess regulation is regulation, but there is probably more here than there is in the US. It is a lot easier to start a fund in the US. Uh, yeah. They've got a thing called angel list rolling funds. And uh, we start one of those and that's it. You can get up, up and running and, you know, just 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 shout, shout to different LPs, you know, from the top of you know, the Empire State Building and, uh, you know, make shit happen from the right. But um, but that being said, I do think that they're but that because I think there, it is a lot harder to start a fund in the UK. I do think that they're that from a reverse. If you think of like opportunities as like two forms, right? There's either opportunities where a lot of people are doing things and then there's opportunities where not many people are doing things, yeah. right? I take the UK as like, I think an opportunity as a kind of like a sweet spot in the middle where I think that there's, there's a lot of, there's been a lot of activity, activity happening. And I think, uh, you know, ever since uh, Silicon Roundabout got established like around 10 years ago, uh, you know, I think startup, the startup ecosystem uh, has grown uh, at a pretty exponential rate. Um, but I do think that there's a lot of room to be improved. I think in terms of different, not different investment options, as well as I think the, the overall investment culture, I think that there's room for more aggressiveness and more founder friendly deal terms, as well as, you know, more operator, operator GPs and stuff like yeah, that in the UK. Definitely. I see a lot more of that, uh, particularly in the Bay area to be specific. I mean, um, Bay area in the U S is the best startup, co uh, startup ecosystem. I mean, if I went to like Wichita, Kansas, like no, nobody, <laughs> no, nobody going to freaking start a SaaS company like Wichita, Kansas. I mean, no, no, no shade to them, but, um, so, so yeah, I think, um, so I think in order for the, for the UK startup ecosystem to be competitive in the world, I think it's very, very imperative that, um, that investors learn from, I think how Bay area VCs, you know, carry out their yeah. terms and, you know, um, to the very best of their ability, you know, to match those as much as they can, you know, matching, you know, ownership and, you know, investor rights and, um, and, you know, kind of like uh, money to equity ratio, making sure that those are aligned properly with, you know, founders incentives and things like that. Um, so I think it's extremely key, um, which we have a while to get to, but I think like if we all maintain that mentality as young, as, as young GPs, as young, you know, investor associates, I think we all, you know, try to, I think, get together and, you know, and, 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 and lock in with that mentality. I think, you know, we can really, really do a lot of great for this ecosystem. And so, um, and so I think those are probably the main differences. See, it's, it's a lot more subtle than you think it, uh, than, than you think it is. I mean, um, but I think that if you delve deeper, I think the differences are there. And I think it's the onus is on us, I think, to make sure that the gap is minimalized as much as possible. And, and I think it, it only comes with time. It's like if you went back five years ago, the number of kind of, as you mentioned, operator GPs, even people who've gone from kind of like operators founders into VC was a lot less than they are today in the UK. And I, I only think that's just going to keep accelerating, which is pretty exciting because it just brings a lot more perspectives to the industry. But as you, as you mentioned, kind of you invest in idea stage founders um, and you've probably come across tons of companies in the past uh, in the past year or so. Um, but 
what do you think are kind of the biggest mistakes kind of founders make when they're pitching directly to you, particularly because, you know, they're, they're not kind of established um, and they're probably not looking for the capital that you would raise in a pre-seed round? Um, to be honest, like, I think I try to overlook mistakes in pitching because I don't really think, like, I, I try to look beyond what, fa- uh, like, the quality of the pitch just because, like, I think, like, you can, like, let me put it this way, right? If I was, um, like, there's a product on Amazon uh, or, or Craigslist, and it's called, like, a container of poo. <laughs> okay <laughs> and uh if i was if i was the world's best orator i could convince you to put like Five a five hundred thousand pound safe in exchange for like three percent for this this innovative you know box of poo <laughs> <laughs> i tell you that it's got product market fit and nobody else is buying it right <laughs> um which goes to say, I think I go beyond the pitch because if I was in that scenario, I'd just kind of dead ass look at him in the face and say, yeah, but it's a bag of, it's a box of poo. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so to me, I think that the most important things are, especially the idea stage, have you proven that, uh, to me, it's, um, have you proven that people will give up something in exchange for your hypothetical product or service? Yeah. And, uh, and I've gotten a lot of applications where people just hand me user research and call it traction, um, where it's just like uh, one of those like little, um, those are like Google forms and they're like 96% yeah. of people uh, have proven that, you know, that they'll buy this product and like, dude, like there's no way that this product would not succeed, right? Um, which I think is really, really funny. But yeah, I, uh, I think... I think founders should realize that user research is good for some things, but not for showing traction and not for showing your idea demand. I think um, I like to look at things with skin in the game points. So imagine that like the lowest amount of skin in the game point I call is an email address landing page sign up. Uh, and then the highest is like a yeah. straight up pre-order, a discounted pre-order on a subscription or like, a, or if it's a physical product, like the straight up physical product. The yeah. product doesn't even have to be built. It can just be like a one-page landing page built on card.co with like a slot to like for people to put in phone numbers or like even like credit card details and stuff like that, right? Um, and so I really think that founders need to prove that that um, that their target customer will put skin in the game for their hypothetical product uh, idea uh, to properly validate, you know, whether or not they're building, you know, the right thing, right? Um, yeah. So that's probably the root cause of a lot of start failures. Are you building the right it? Or are you building, building the wrong it, right? Because um, most people, most of the stuff that's built in the world today, most people don't need. I mean, it's just and you're, you, start it's your job to figure system. out what what actually is needed. Yeah. What people need and what people don't need, right? Um, yep. Or specifically what people want and what people don't want, right? I can't, I can't stick everything to needs because I don't need a fidget spinner, but I probably want that's a fidget true. spinner. Yeah, that's a good point. Believe it at that. And I guess, I guess you're pretty optimistic about the UK startup scene. Um, else, you wouldn't have started your fund here. Um, where, where do you see the biggest growth areas in terms of you know verticals, industries, any particular kind of areas in the UK specifically in say the next three to five years? 
Well, personally, I think I've, for me, I've never been much of a trendy investor. So uh, I'll, I'll sit there and stare at trends and figure, okay, like this is exactly where I'm going to dump loads of money into the next several years. Because I feel like once an industry gets trendy, like everybody Everyone starts piling on. Yeah. I feel like once it gets trendy on the news, it's too late because I feel like smart investors are always going to look for stuff that's like not trendy, but like low key. Will on the the country. Country. Yeah. Um, so. If I were to tell you what's trendy, it's probably what you already know to be trendy, which is basically Web3. <laughs> of course. And yeah. So Web3 climate creative economy. That's pretty much all I hear on Twitter. So whatever I hear a lot on Twitter, that's probably what's trendy in both the UK and the US. And you got in and just every but every other, every other, you know, um, every other either, you know, exited or like, you know, recently failed, recently failed founder, you know, hunting for their next project. It's something to do with you know nfts or whatever which uh i don't know i'm still delving into like the the nft company landscape trying to see like what uh what actual niches and pain points exist with like the nft landscape um because i don't know how much redefining of the product market fit framework has to be when looking at nft and web3 based startups but still trying to look into them right um you know various derivatives competitors to competitors to coinbase and OpenSea and mm-hmm. or whatever add-ons you can find to those platforms but it's interesting to look at are you seeing that many are you seeing kind of in terms of the hype on twitter you see loads of web3 as you mentioned are you seeing as many of those companies pitching to you as you would have expected or are you seeing other companies where in places where there isn't as much hype but you know, there's still loads of kind of potential pitching to you. I've seen a few Web3 here and there. Um, my investment committee knows a little more than I do on Web3. And so um, and so they've been able to suss out, uh, suss out like what's legitimate Web3 and like who's using a blockchain for an actual purpose versus like who's just using a blockchain just to use a blockchain. <laughs> yeah. So uh, there's a little bit of that. Uh, in terms of people pitching to us, it's real diverse every industry possible, which is kind of cool. A lot of SaaS, uh, which is to be expected. I mean, we've seen food tech, telecommunications. We've actually invested in a, in a spatial audio for metaverses startup, which kind of plays on that Web3 trend slightly. So it's not blockchain, but it plays on a metaverse trend, which is a kind of, it's kind of connected to NFTs and Web3 in a way because like metaverses are where nfts can be dumped dumped in and that's yeah. where all the characters in a metaverse can be bought on a blockchain and all that um with cryptocurrency so it's if i add that days. all up together yeah it's, it's early days right but um be interesting to see what the next generation of metaverses ends up being because because growing up i played roblox i thought that was a pretty 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 decent uh metaverse and stuff like that um so whatever ends up to be, I think, the next version of that without becoming second life. So yeah. that'll be interesting to see. Definitely. Um, and I guess you're, you're, you're pretty sector agnostic, which is great news. So if anyone listening is kind of an idea stage founder, feel free to you know drop down to the message. But I like to finish off um, by always asking this question. I think it's really interesting to hear because everyone has a very different perspective on it. But kind of what motivates and inspires you to do what you do? Uh, basically, I can basically like helping people with economic mobility. I think uh, 
Now to do that, obviously you have to make money. So, um, yeah. so it's very important that we return positive unit, unit economics survive and, you know, pocket ourselves enough change, you know, to be able to live a decent life on a day-to-day basis. But I think what excites me more is just the, the impact that it can have on economic mobility for most, for people. I think like, especially one thing I really, really want to see, you know, within UK society is, you know, just, I think, an abil- uh, just, I think to, to curate an easier environment for rags to riches, uh, that makes sense, right? I want to see like a lot more economic mobility. And I think like, Building building successful startups is one of the best ways to do it, right? Building the right kinds of successful yeah. startups. Um, and so I think, you know, with this funding model, you know, what I really want to see is, you know, um, a sort of, you know, the, the long-term impact I wanted to have is, you know, um, is to just increase economic mobility for a lot of, you know, um, just for any, any type of, you know, um, any type of founder, right? You know, regardless of, you know, what kind of, you know, background that they come from, um, Use this as a vehicle, you know, to, to help people get to get to their financial personally, not too prong, right? Get to their financial goals and dreams, but also build products and services that will also help many people, you know, live uh, more convenient and you know, uh, and eat and and impactful lives and stuff like that, right? And so, um, and so that's what I genuinely believe out of this um, out of this fund that I that's what I really hope it will do. Um, but we gotta execute right if we want to get there. For sure. Yep, well, that's su- that's super cool and. Where, where, where can our listeners find you if they want to um, reach out in terms of um, if they're looking for investment? Yeah, so I'll give out all my details. So my website is uh, www.horizan.vc. Um, my, should I hand out my email? My Twitter is, uh, <laughs> is, is, is um, at capital J lowercase o-n-a-t-h-a-n capital y capital s lowercase u-n one and my linkedin is just my name so connect me with me on any of those um on any any of those platforms and uh happy to happy to chat uh dm's always open well it was super cool chatting today um thanks so much for coming on the podcast i'm I'm super excited to see, you know, how Horizon grows and where you start um, and continue to invest. Um, and I'm wishing you all the best of success. Thanks a bunch. Uh, and catch you later. Thank you for listening to The Exploratory Journey, and I hope you have enjoyed this episode. Please make sure to follow or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and make sure to follow all our social media channels on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn to stay up to date with our future episodes.